0: The title of the message is The Relationship Test, The Relationship Test. We're going to be in verses 3 through 11 if you are taking notes of chapter 2. Uh, and I've used this illustration before, but I think it's good. Uh, maybe some of you remember But there are certain things that you're able to detect about the nature of someone's relationship uh, to another, right? When you see a couple people together, say, if, you know, if you're on, in one of the lines of Black Friday and you're, you're sitting there for hours and, and you see, and you see two people talking and, you know, you, you try to see, okay, what kind of relationship do they have? Is this, is this mom and dad? Is this, uh, is this parent-to-child relationship? Are these siblings? Are these best friends, right? And you can kind of look and you can see certain aspects of someone's relationship, uh, whether it's by their height or just the way that they look or whether just the way that they interact, right? If they're like, if they're kissing each other, then that probably means, you know, that there's some kind of relation going on there. You know, for someone who's married, maybe you look at their hand and you look for a, a ring, and you can kind of okay' they're, okay, I think it's husband, wife, okay, I see what's going on here and there's certain things that you can kind of test and see to detect. there's detectable evidence uh, in how someone interacts with someone to determine their relationship right Make sense uh, in a similar way, there are certain things uh, that mark the life of a Christian, a true Christ follower from someone who isn't right a lot of people talk about how they are Christians, but th- there seems to be few actual, actually who follow Christ. And these things, these marks about a Christian, uh, they don't make them Christian, but they're just the uh, detectable things that show that what they say is actually true, that, that it's a genuine confession, And as we come into 1 John chapter 2 today, if you can just remember just by way of context uh, that in in chapter 1, last week we looked at verse 5 was that declaration statement where God is light and in him is no darkness. Remember, we talked about dark and and light and and the different concepts there and sin and and good and and how God is the very source. and, And we saw how our lives should match up to his light. That if we call ourselves Christians but our lives are marked by darkness, there's, a, there's an issue there that we confess, um, but, but, it's, but our actions are different. But knowing that we don't, we all sin. We're not going to be perfect Christians, but the attitude of a Christian should be coming and confessing so that we can get right with the Lord. That's what we looked at last week. But the big idea for today is this, and I want you to write it down because this is going to be the consistent theme throughout the message today. It's this, by your consistent obedience and genuine love for his people, meaning God's people, you can have confident assurance that you have real fellowship with the Lord. And we'll leave that on the screen for a moment so you can write it down. It might not make sense today, but hopefully by the end of today, uh, this statement will uh, make a little bit more sense to you. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to read. First uh, John chapter two, and we're just going to read right now verses three through six, and then we'll pray. Sound good? You guys in First John? If you're in First John, say word. Let's go. All right. Verse three says, "Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God, is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Father, we are just in a, this season of, of gratefulness and thanksgiving to you, just looking uh, to you for all the blessings. We know they come from you. God, we pray as we enter the season of December uh, Lord, that we, we want to get so caught up in the busyness of the holidays that we would forget you. God, we look to you, Jesus. You are our goal this morning as we uh, come to your word. We pray that you would speak through our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So remember, this is the relationship test, okay? And today, I want you to take the relationship test, and I want it to be taken by you, not taken... Uh, on behalf of someone you know who really needs to take the test. uh, This is for you to have confidence and assurance uh, that you really do have that relationship with God that you say you do. You know, sometimes you can hear something and you're like, oh, Freddie? Freddie needs to hear this message because he's a dirty, rotten sinner, right? Or whatever. I don't know if you have an a friend named Freddie, but uh, right or my brother really needs to hear this message because he is sending up a storm. No, today, the message today, this relationship test is to be taken by you for you personally. It's not taken so that you can put on other people and kind of test, okay, yeah, they're saved. No, they're not. No, this is for you personally. Does that make sense? Well, I whistled there, personally. Okay. Um, If you look at verse three, this is kind of where we get the theme. He says this, now by this we know that we know him. Now by this we know that we know him. This is the way, whatever follows this statement is gonna be that relationship test. It's gonna determine whether we really know God. And guys, you know there's a difference about knowing about Christ and knowing Christ, right? In the same way, uh, there's a difference between knowing a lot about a person and actually knowing the person, I don't know why that keeps happening. Okay, we'll see how it goes. Uh, there's a difference where you can, who's someone famous that you guys like or look up to or follow, um, whether sports players or I don't know. Give, give it to me. I mean, I might say someone, but. Mr. Krabs. Mr. Krabs? Say that? From SpongeBob? Okay, uh, who? Russell Wilson. Russell, who's that? Okay, Christian football player. Who else? Okay, someone famous, though. Someone like uh, famous. Yeah. Huh? Who's that? I'm sorry. (laughs) Movie actor. So maybe it's an actor. And there's a difference where you could be like, I know where he was born. I know his height. I know, you know, all of his stats for football. I know every movie he's been in. But then to say to your friend, you can't go to your friend and say, oh, I know him. You know, I know Russell Wilson, right? I know whoever, the actor or actress or someone that you look up to, artists that you might look up to. Um, you don't know, you know a lot about him, right? And there's a difference there. And I think you guys know that. And there's a difference about knowing facts about something and knowing something experientially, personally, right? Uh, anyone like planes in here? Maybe you're just a big, you just love planes. Now you might know a lot about planes. You might know more about planes than a pilot. You might. You could know maybe you've studied your, your whole life and you give hours to it and you've, you've studied the books and you know every part name in an engine of, a, of, a, you know, a, of an aircraft or whatever it might be. But that doesn't mean you know how to fly a plane. If we threw you in there, you'd probably crash the thing and die, right? It wouldn't be good. Because just because you know facts doesn't mean you know about it uh, or know it personally, know it experientially. And and some of you might have asked yourself the question, if you're honest with yourself, and you might have asked yourself at certain times in your life, how do I know that I'm a Christian? Maybe you, you look at your life and you say, I've never, maybe I've never had a religious experience or I, I don't feel different. I feel just like I did before I received Jesus. I don't see the difference. Well, the Bible says what we're going to look at today that by this, Do you guys see that? By this, by what? Well, it's going to be the two points today. And the two points that we're going to look at is how we can test our relationship with the Lord and know that it's genuine, not just that we know about Christianity, but that we know Christ himself is in our obedience and it's in our love. And those are the two simple things that we'll look at today. That obedience and love is the result of relationship, true fellowship with Jesus, that it is the tangible evidence that you actually know God. Does that make sense? All right. So first point today is in obedience, that we are able to test our relationship uh, by and in obedience, by our obedience. Verse three goes on to say, look in your own Bibles. It says, by this we know that we know him, if conditional, if we keep his commandments. The word keep here, it means to obey or to observe. To keep. It means to obey what was given. That actual fellowship with Jesus. Remember, that's what we talked about last week. We talked about that the person who says that they have fellowship or a relationship with Jesus and walks in darkness, they lie and don't practice the truth. We looked at that in depth last week. Well, in a similar way, this actual fellowship with Jesus, it's going to lead to obedience. That it is the evidence for fellowship. Simple, loving obedience. It's a natural result of fellowship. It's the natural thing that comes from a true relationship with God. In verses 3 through 9, this word commandment is mentioned six times, and that's something you want to note. Remember, when anything is repeated in the Bible, that is something noteworthy. It's something of of significance. God doesn't repeat himself for no reason. And so when we see that commandments, this is a big idea. That if your life, if there is a consistent sin pattern in your life, it shows that you are ignorant of who God is. You might know about him, but there's a difference between knowing about and knowing him. But if your life is marked by keeping his commandments and keeping the things that you know God has asked, uh, this is a sign that that you do know God. Remember, this is for you personally. If you look at verse four, there's that kind of similar pattern that we saw last week where there's a claim. Look at verse four. It says that uh, if he who says, I know him. And so the claim here is saying, I know God. Okay. Well, then we'll then prove it. Well, if someone says, I know him, but then doesn't obey what God says, it's very clear evidence that the truth is that he is a liar and the truth is not in him. It's similar to what we looked at last week. It's that false claim. It's, in, uh, it's not a genuine confession that the words don't match up with the actions. Does that make sense? It's like, let me, let me try to illustrate it for you. If I, if I came to you today and I said, yeah, um, I actually just became a police officer. Yeah, I study the Bible during, you know, during the week, but I'm also now a police officer. And you'd be like, sweet, Joel, that is awesome. Can I, do you think I could see your badge? Can I just see, you know, uh, you know, your Chino PD badge? Oh, oh, I, you know, I left it at home. Say, so, oh, well, let me just see. Can you send me a picture of your, your uniform that you wear now? Oh, uh, my, my camera's broken on my phone, so sorry. And you say, like, "Well, you have your school. Can we go see your squad car then? Can we go? Can we go check it out?" And it's like, "Oh no, sorry, I'm, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's in the, it's being washed right now, right?" And, and I start coming. It's like I I can say something, but if my actions don't prove it, I'm just lying, right? Or, or whatever kind of illustration you want. Like say, "Yeah, I actually made it. I'm a, I'm a player on the Dodgers now. Yeah, I'm going to be starting pitching for uh, opening day." You'd be like, "Like, prove it. Show me." Right. Yet for our lives, we sometimes claim things, but our lives are the opposite of that. That is, a, that is a, the similar idea 42 times in the book of 1 John. It's a very big theme. The word no, not N-O, but K-N-O-W is mentioned. And it's the Greek word gnosko, which you don't need to know that. Uh, but it, it's significant because the word for that is mentioned 42 times in the book of first John, uh, it speaks of a knowledge that we are talking about, not just to have knowledge, but to have experienced that you might know about God, but have you experienced him? Because if you have, then very clear evidence will show through your life. If I come to you and I say, are you a Christian? What evidence in your life is there? If I was able to come home with you this week, wouldn't you guys like that? If I come home, you know, I I stay in your spare room, go to school with you, I'm just sitting in the back of your classroom. Um, Maybe you're homeschooled, I'm just sitting on your couch watching TV. And say, I just observe your life. I I look how you treat your parents. I look how just your, your life, just for one week, I would be able to get a pretty good gauge of what kind of relationship you have with God. And same for you to me. If you were to come home with me, no doubt you'd, probably see things you, uh, you know, want to think. I'm not perfect. Uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys know that. Um, I say things I shouldn't sometimes. I'm a knucklehead. I just, it's just, I don't know if he can relate. Um, but that you, hopefully you'd be able to tell about my life that, that yeah, he, he does have a relationship with God. It is real. He's not just, he, he, he practices what he preaches. Goes on to say, In verse 5, whoever keeps his word, look at verse 5 with me. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. I want you to note down the word perfect here. It means to become mature. It's not that now God's love is perfect in him, in the sense of that the person is perfect, but that there is a maturity that it's not talking about God's love for that person because God's love for us is perfect, it is complete, it is mature. But it's actually referring to our love for God. That a mature love for God will show itself in obedience. You can go to the next slide. A mature love for God will show itself in obedience. And it's true that it shows a maturity level to obey God. It shows, okay, it, it, it proves, it shows how far you are with your love for God. You might say you love God, but it's proved, it's evidence in your obedience to him. It goes on to say, and talks about abiding in him, that he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked, that there that we got to look like Jesus, that if we say we abide in him, it means to be connected, relationship. He steals, again, uh, John, he steals this concept from Jesus as he quotes him in John 15. John 15 verse four says this, abide in me and I in you. This is Jesus speaking. And first John, John stealing this idea from Jesus as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. It's an awesome illustration that Jesus uses about being connected with him. That nothing good comes out of our life, for real, if we're not connected to Jesus, if we're not connected to the vine. That he is the vine, we are the branches, and that he works through us for fruit to come out of our lives. And one of the fruits of being a Christian, and fruits, I don't mean like apples and oranges, but I mean what is produced, is going to be obedience, John 13, 15 says this, that Jesus, he quotes to his disciples, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That one of the very clear evidences that you should look like Jesus more and more. And can you answer that question? Do you look more like Jesus today than you did last December? Or is it like, no, it's kind of, no, I've actually gotten a little worse. I'm more sassy to my parents. I'm I'm getting in more trouble, I'm, I'm doing things that I, that I shouldn't, then there's a big issue because with the Lord, that there is, has to be constant growth, that it is a sign of fellowship. If you remember now back to, you know, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, that declaration statement, right, that, that God is light, and in him is no darkness, that our life should be marked by light, I kind of like how I really actually like, remember I've shared with you about David Guzik? You remember him? I've shared with you about him before. He's just, he's a Bible commentator. I've told you, you can go online, blueletterbible.com, look up David Guzik commentary, uh, very easy. And, and these guys have their stuff sometimes on the internet for free uh, to kind of help us understand the Bible more. And I like how he put this. He, he, he talked about for the Christian that there should be a major relationship, relationship change with sin. Not just with God, but with sin. And he and he kind of says these few things. He says for the Christian, he should no longer love sin. Do you love sin? He should no longer brag about his own sin. That for the Christian, he no longer plans to sin. For the Christian, he no longer fondly remembers the sin as he did before that. That sin against God doesn't look like it did before. That for the Christian, he never fully enjoys sin as he once did. And for the Christian, he no longer is comfortable in continuing to sin. That as a believer, that our relationship with sin should be very different. Um, Spurgeon, he says this, hopefully you know who Spurgeon is. He's one of the, the great uh, writers in, in, uh, um, of this couple centuries before us. And he says this, sin may enter the heart and fight for dominion. But for the believer, it cannot sit upon the throne. See, the difference between us and a non-believer is number one, of course, that we're saved by God's grace, thank God. But also that we are trying not to sin. That sin, okay, it battles, but it doesn't have the right place. It doesn't have the throne, that God ultimately has the throne. And it might try to fight for dominion, It might try to conquer, but at the end of the day, it doesn't. God wins when he's on the throne. And Israel is a great example of this. Think about the children of Israel. They're a very great example in the Old Testament that we have that someone can't live in sin and live in fellowship with God. That he just doesn't allow it, whether punishment comes or different consequences come. Um, But there's kind of Three motives uh, for obedience. There's another guy, Warren Wearsby. Uh, He says this. He, He describes that there are three motives for obedience. Okay, I want you to write them down. They won't be on the screen. Three motives for your obedience. It's either because you have to. It's either because you have to, need to, or want to. Okay, those are the three motives for your obedience. It's because you have to. Okay, that would be the kind of like, uh, if you were a slave, you have to obey whether you want to or not. Number two is you need to, that's kind of like when you get a job one day and in order to get paid, like they're not going to make you, they're not going to whip you if you don't come to work, but if you want to get paid, then you're going to have to show up on time, right? And so you're kind of obeying the rules that were set because you need to. But then the third one is want to. And the want to describes, would describe the relationship. It would be, it would describe uh, out of love. Like think about when you were a child and you, I mean, uh, when you were younger and there were certain things that your parents were trying to teach you, right? they were trying to instill obedience into you. And at first they made you, right? If you, if you didn't do it, then they would, they would spank your bottom. They would do something and, and they would, they would make you do it. No option. But then as you get older, then it's like, okay, we're just going to take everything away until you, until you do it. And so you're like, okay, in order to have anything in my room, I should probably start doing this. So it's a need to, but it's a sweet place when you can get in your relationship with your parents, when you actually start wanting to obey what they say. It shows a maturity of love for your parents. And a lot of you aren't in that place right now. Um, And it shows a maturity. You see, to want shows a real maturity in our love for God. When we come to a place in our obedience where we want to, it's not because we have to. It's not because we need to, because we want something. But when you get to a place, that shows a very real mark of maturity. You see, if you're a baby Christian in here, then baby Christians, they always need to be either warned or rewarded. Meaning mean, they need to be warned against sin and they need to be rewarded for them to actually obey. That there has to be another motivation other than love. But when you start actually growing in your relationship with God, you just start wanting to please him out of love, out of relationship. John 14, 21 says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Jesus said it very clearly. Can you guys, is there any mistake in that? He says, okay, if you want to show love to me, this is Jesus talking, then keep my commandments. It, it shows it. If we look ahead to chapter 5 of 1 John, 1 John 5, verse 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Everyone look at me. If today you feel like God, what God's asking you to do or not to do, it feels like a burden it feels like, oh man, this is drag. Like, I know God wants me to, so I'm gonna do it. and That is very pointed evidence showing that, that you are still very immature in your relationship with God. And that there's something wrong with the connection that you have with him. Because when you start, it's not that, okay, you want to do everything all the time that, that God, no, no, it is. When you start to really get mature in your walk, uh, you might, it might be hard when God asks you to do something, but you want to. Like there's just this desire to please him and his commandment, it's not burdensome. God's way is the best way. And so when you start to really love God and, and develop in relationship with him, guys, this is the goal. That, this is what we want to attain to. And I, I think you would agree with me that these verses are pretty black and white, Right, that there's no shades of gray here. And this is the first half of the test uh, that we're going to look like. But today, if you, would, if you would agree and you would raise your hand and, and you would say, don't raise your hand. But if you would say, yep, that's me. If you're in a season of disobedience today, and, and you know if you are, what I'm not saying is that you're not saved. Okay, It might just be a, a season right now of rebellion, Uh, trust me I went through it a while I believe I was saved but if you continue in that season then there's something off and it's eventually going to lead you and you know what you're going to start doing you're going to start questioning your salvation you're going to start questioning I don't know if I'm really am I really God's how do I really know and when you live in an extended season of just disobeying God, and you know you're not doing what he's saying, it leads to just you, you questioning, and you have no assurance. Because ongoing assurance of salvation is based upon ongoing obedience. And I know this is true for my life, and I know the leaders could attest to this too. When we're right on with the Lord, and, 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 and we're pursuing him, then, then there's there's no question in that. It's when we start doing other things that we start questioning God and, his, and, and our relationship to him, right? And so that's the first uh, test that you want to look internally and see in your life and determine. But the second thing uh, is in love. And we'll see this in verses 7 through 11, right? So the first one was in our, our obedience. And you, you know what he says. Some of you can quote all 10 commandments and you know the scriptures. A lot of you have been, your parents have poured into you uh, what is right and wrong and what is even innate in you. You know what is sin and what's not. And so we won't get into those details. But the second thing is in love. And we'll look at verses 7 through 11, okay? You guys good? Yeah. Yes? Okay, you guys still in First John? No one closed their Bibles yet? Okay, look at verse 7 with me. He says, brethren, I write no new commandment to you, But an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. If you look at verse seven and eight, these are transitional verses. These seven and eight is what connects the verses uh, before and after it that he, he talks about. He says, I'm not coming with anything new. He says, this is the old commandment that you've heard before. And you, I think a lot of you here today, you've heard it before. I know I have my whole life, right? Love other people. That over and over again, that, that we should love, that we should love. And so what he's writing, he's saying, it's not an old commandment that I'm writing, or I'm not, it's not a new commandment. It's an old commandment. This is something that's been from the beginning, he says. But then if you are like me, I was very confused the first time I read this, because if you look at verse 7, he clarifies, he says, I'm not writing to you anything new. And then you look at verse eight and he's like, I'm writing to you a new commandment. And you're like, wait, wait, what? This doesn't make sense. And so I had to look into it. And I got to do that this week and study for, for this today. And what he's saying, he's saying it is old in regards to time. I mean, this, you, you go back to the Old Testament and this principle is very clear that God wants us to love our neighbor, Maybe you can think about the Leviticus verse uh, that talks about how we should love our neighbor. And so it's old in time, but when he says that he's writing a new commandment, it means this, that it's from a different perspective. It's with a fresh perspective. It's an old truth with a fresh perspective, it's interesting, the Greeks back then, they would use the word new that he uses here in two different ways, depending on the context. One, he would say it's new in regards to time. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it's new in regards to quality. The idea is this, that what John is about to say is relevant for you. You guys know what the word relevant means? It means that it, is, it can relate to you today. That though it was a commandment that God gave a long time ago, uh, God's giving it to you today. It's, it's that idea that this is what Jesus said. And we'll look at that in a moment. He says that this is true of Jesus and it's true of us. Uh, and, and we'll look at in a moment, a verse that almost again, John kind of steals from Jesus. But look at verse nine with me. As we go through this, we see another one of those claims. Look at verse nine in your Bibles. So the claim here is that if he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. If you're if you've been tracking with us, this language is going to sound very familiar to chapter one, Um, and these kind of claims and then the and then the action. See, the claim is I am in the light. The action is but I hate my brother. And so the the reality, the truth is that you're actually in darkness, though you say you're in the light, that loving your brother, and this just means anyone around you, and especially those of the family of God, is evidence that you are in the light, that when we look at these verses, love is represented not just as goodness, but specifically uh, as light, light and love, they go together, and then darkness and hatred, those go together. And we see John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 say, say this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. Remember when even Jesus said this, he's not talking about new in time, but in relevance. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, we all will know that you are my disciples If you have love for one another, I'm sure you've heard this verse, but that doesn't mean it's not for today. An old truth, but it is fresh today that this is what God wants for you. And it is the mark of a believer. He says that right there. He says by this, people will just know that they will experience and see your love for them and they'll know uh, the, the reason why that the sum, if you were to summarize all of the Old Testament commands, I believe there's 613 commands that were given to the Israelites. But then we see Jesus come in the New Testament and he basically boils all those down. And he says that on, on all the commandments, if you were to boil them down, it has to do with love, right? If you look at the 10 commandments, right? If you break up commandment number one to four, they have to do with loving God. And then five to 10, they have to do with loving each other. That You've heard it. This is what it boils down to. But this is what fulfills the law. Okay, this is what, what brings that, that fulfillment of what God wants for us. It is the summation of obedience to him. But what, is, what does this practically look like for you and I? Right, I can say, okay, uh, go, go love one another. But what does that really look like? Well, I want you to think about it for a moment. If how you and I, how we treat one another marks our relationship with the Lord, right? This is the relationship test. Then just think about for a moment. Don't say anything out loud, but we're going to go through it real quick. Think about how how you treat your teachers at school, Just think about it. Think about your, your, maybe your reputation at school and how you treat them. Maybe you're like, well, I, I, never, I never get detention. I never, I never mess up. Yeah, but is there any way that you display love to them? Okay? Now think about the, the people just, let's just say in this room at church. How do you treat one another? You might say, well, I, I never do anything bad to anyone. No, that's not what I'm asking. Do you display love? I Meaning, do you come in and do you just, you know, don't, want, don't really want to talk to anyone or maybe you're nervous or whatever, but do you, do you go out of your way to maybe say hi to someone that's sitting alone? That's displaying love. Hey, what about, think about, think about your relationship with your parents. You'd be like, no, I have a pretty, you know, I have a good, I don't, I don't get in trouble a lot. Yeah, but is there anything that you do that displays love? to your parents. Does that make sense? So how you treat other people is literally when you boil it all down, not just obedience to the Lord, but the one thing that if you boil it down that he's asked you to do is to love other people. Is there any pursuit of loving others in your life? Just think about it for a moment. That is the test, not how someone else maybe treats you, but how do you treat other people? I want to read to you uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which is that chapter of love. But I want to read it to you. And uh, there's a guy named uh, J.B. Phillips. And he did, uh, he, he, it's a translation of the Bible, but it's not the actual Bible. It's kind of uh, a, a paraphrase. It's it's, it's uh, It helps us in modern day English. Okay? And I just want you to read it. So I want you to close your eyes. <clears throat> and this is not the definition of love, but this is what love displayed look like. So think about Whoever's in your life, everyone close your eyes. Think about whether it's your, your parents, your siblings, your teachers, your friends, or strangers for that matter, people you don't know, people around church, whatever it might be. And, and see how y- your actions match up. So this, this is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 10, in the J.B. Phillips kind of paraphrase version. He says this This love of which I speak is slow to lose patience. It looks for a way of being constructive. It is not possessive. It is neither anxious to impress, nor does it cherish inflated ideas of its own importance, meaning it's prideful. Love has good manners and does not pursue selfish advantage. It is not touchy. It does not keep account of evil or gloat over the wickedness of other people. On the contrary, it is glad with all good when, uh, when all good men, when truth prevails. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is in fact the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. You can open your eyes. I wanna bring us back now to that, that big idea that we looked at. Uh, in the beginning of today, uh, this by by your consistent obedience obedience and genuine love for his people, you can have confident assurance that you have real fellowship with the Lord. Sometimes it's hard because you and I, we worship an invisible God, not meaning that he's not existent, but he's invisible to our physical eyeballs, right? And so how do you worship a God that you cannot see? Well, we do. But sometimes in this mix, it can be difficult and and maybe doubts can arise. But when you can look at your life and say, no, I'm not naturally outgoing and wanting to love on someone, wanting to ask someone a question or see how they're doing, look them in the white of their eyes. Maybe that's not your natural tendency. I know it's not really mine. I like to do it. God's changed me in that areas, in those areas, but it's difficult sometimes. But am I different? Is, is there something different about me? Then that means God's working and, and there's that, I can have assurance. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, and I can do that. I can look at who I was eight years ago. I can look at who I was five years ago and say, there's no way there ain't a God because I am so different. And it's not because I tried a lot. No, it's because God has done this work in me because I've just, I put him first and God has changed me. And it can happen for you. And so where are you at in your relationship with the Lord today? Is there one at all? No, not do you go to church. Do you have a real relationship with God? Is it a mature relationship with consistent obedience? I'm not talking about perfection, but is there a pursuit And so guys, the best relationship test with the Lord is how you treat those around you. And today, if your life isn't marked by obedience and love, then it's time today to repent. You need to come to God and you need to ask him to forgive you for your selfishness. You need to ask him to forgive you for not not loving those around you. And you need to ask him for strength to be able to do that. I know I need to do that today. Um, I, I need more of the Lord. I need more of him in my life so that so, Because I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't do those things, but he is the pursuit. And so um, you get right with him today, and uh, if, you, if you guys need anything, you let me know, okay? Father, we come before you, and uh, we thank you for your word today. So clear, uh, Lord, unmistakable, and uh, it can be difficult, Lord, as we look at our lives and see, oh man, I, I fall short in that display of love. Lord, I know for me, Lord, it does not come naturally, and I don't think it does for, for anyone too much. Lord, we, we need your Holy Spirit to change our hard hearts, to get rid of our selfishness, to change our pride into humility. Uh, we need more of you. We, we want to be connected with you today. Lord, we do want to please you. I know that is my heart, and I know that is so many of our hearts that we just want to live the life that you live. But we get distracted. Sin has a pull. And I just pray for us, Lord, that, that us in this room, we would be marked by your love. God, we pray that you'd go before us and be glorified in this time of worship. In Jesus' name, amen.